Hello everyone and welcome to another podcast from the Rowdy Buddhist. I'm interested to talk about an, uh, an important concept when practicing Buddhism that I believe is a misgiving or misunderstanding that many people here, especially in uh, most countries that have a lot of the great creature comforts, um, where spirituality and spiritual practice tends to be a hobby that people do. Uh, when they want to do something additional in their life, such as many people take up yoga or meditation, etc. But it's interesting because a lot of people in, in, in a lot of the world, besides I can only speak for the United States, need spirituality based on the concept of survival uh, in order to see and understand the great tragedies and challenges that they have in life that perhaps we in the West are not uh, aware of. That's why, you know, one thing my Buddhist teacher made me do was travel uh, around the world to see, uh, especially the culture that I came from, such as in Europe and Eastern Europe, and then also seeing other parts of the world and other cultures that uh, I was perhaps not educated about. Uh, and on also the other thing is not just particularly cultural ideas, but also economics, religion, language, etc. And it's because, you know, a lot of us, uh, of, we can only experience things based on our perceived understanding or our uh, education or wisdom in the sense of experience, um, that we, we need to broaden our minds to see how the rest of the world lives. So this particular discussion is the idea of you know, is Buddhism supposed to bring me happiness? Isn't it supposed to bring me peace and comfort? And that's a really important question because, you know, sometimes it's in a way, not sometimes, it is an arrogance that many people take up the practice of Buddhism because they just want to better themselves, they say, or they want peace or more peace or more tranquility. Uh, which actually, if you use that word more, it absolutely brings up the idea of the desires, which we'll talk about. But one experience that I had is that, for instance, a lot of people in even some traditions of Nichiren Buddhism see that Buddhism's manifestation of reality or manifestation of truth is the resultant of what their desire is, is which, of course, is creature comforts. Uh, to be comfortable, to be peaceful, to be without uh, all the racing thoughts, without all the challenges. Uh, and in many ways, uh, this is seen as a way of escaping uh, one's uh, difficulties in their life. And also, as we see now, now that things are more in our face as far as the reality of political challenges, right? The potential of, uh, you know, armed fighting and uh, combat and government challenges, etc., and, you know, the streets not being safe, uh, people rioting, etc., and then also you have the where is religion in this, and then where is politics, everything seems to be upside down. But, you know, we in the United States have lived relatively peaceful, or at least relatively ignorantly peaceful about that, but we need to understand what 
Buddhism is allowing us to do. Because I think it's a really misgiving in this idea of the self-help culture where it's just going to add something better to your life. And, And that usually better is based on your concept of better. So it doesn't mean realistically better. It means what you want, you're going to get. So if you want to be uh, relaxed, you want to be peaceful, you don't want to be bothered by people, you can use Buddhism, and many people have, in order to check in and check out, right? Uh, drop out and, dro- you know, that, that old uh, Timothy Leary uh, drop in and drop out thing. I believe that's what it is. I can't remember. But which he did with acid was the idea of just tuning out. Uh, So many people have the misgivings that that's what Buddhism is. Nietzsche and Shonen, which we're very lucky to have such a great example because it actually comes into conflict with a lot of what we think as Buddhist teaching teachers' examples. A lot of Buddhist teachers we see, for instance, uh, the basic concept that people think about is the Dalai Lama, someone who's kind, who's smiling, always has the right words to say. Uh, well, now, of course, of course, there are people who disagree with him, but it doesn't seem to rub too many people the wrong way, so that's considered a nice fellow. But Nietzsche and Shonen always seems to rub people the wrong way, and also just the way that Nietzsche and Shonen is presented a lot of times, of course, uh, in a lot of different traditions for their own ends, uh, by justifying behaviors such as, you know, criticizing and uh, with, uh, attacking other Buddhist traditions. A lot of people misunderstand immensely Nichiren Shonen's character. And this is the reason why I became a Nichiren Buddhist and a, and a, and a student of Nichiren Shonen. At Mount Minobu, he gave a uh, kind of lecture called the Ongikuden, which are the uh, orally transcribed teachings. So basically these are in the in the overall scholastic idea of Nichiren Buddhism because they don't have the originals uh, because it was an oral transmission they don't they don't necessarily say that they can't say that it's, uh, it's particularly or is Nichiren Shonen's words but obviously it, it's quite important to understand because a lot of the traditions we even within Nichiren Shu use this Ongi Kuden these orally transmitted teachings uh, such as even the Reidan etc. But that is just something to keep in mind. So Nichiren Shonen in this Ongikuden, one of the parts that he specifically talks about is that he explicitly, you know, really explained that while while we practice the Lotus Sutra, and especially when you read the Lotus Sutra on chapter 14, if you get a chance, it's called Peaceful Practices. Now, when I was a monk, that was what I thought Buddhism was. A bunch of rules. Stay away from these people. Keep yourself out of trouble. Follow these rules and enlightenment will come. That was my concept of Buddhism. So I immediately, the rest of the sutra was kind of off-putting to me because it was really vague, it seemed like to me. Later to be found out, of course, is essence, which essence is a lot more difficult to grab than a bunch of rules. But you know, the Buddha, he specifically used rules as an expediential teaching, precepts, etc., to lead people to this overall instinctive awareness. Because you can't change something that you, that's not in you already. So the idea is to bring out or to shine forth the idea that you have Buddha nature. So you see that. Then you learn how you can nourish it and cultivate it. Then naturally, 
as Nietzsche and Shonen said, as a snake going into a tube, we naturally straighten ourselves uh, by realizing our true face. But this idea of peaceful practices, which was basically like the precepts such as don't go around these people, uh, an example of people who uh, kill things for a living, such as butchers or prostitutes or uh, people who are uh, multisexual, you know, like for instance... Uh, people who have had sex changes, etc. Those kinds of things that cause confusion in the regular person's mind. Or, as they see in a lot of older society, as something that perhaps uh, could confuse people and cause them to break the precepts. But it's interesting because Alota Sutra specifically says earlier that there's only one vehicle. So everybody is, is, of course, by essence, has the potential to become a Buddha. So it's really strangely put in in that place uh, in chapter uh, 14. And so when I brought it up to my teacher, because then also you have the, the example of the teacher of the Dharma, which Nichiren Shonen specifically says about wearing the armor of the Dharma and being ready to give your life, that you, you above all things, wish to practice the Lotus Sutra, uphold it even at the cost of one's life, which are very diametrically opposed because you have one saying... Okay, this is what's going to be peaceful if you follow these things, avoid these people, avoid these things, avoid these ideas, and cultivate yourself. The Buddha, the Komoto Sensei said when I was confused with this, that actually that is not the teaching for the uh, latter age of the Dharma. That's why Nichiren Shonen specifically uses the example in the teacher of the Dharma of wearing the armor of endurance. Uh, that it's as if we know that one of the things that will be faced and we saw through Nietzsche and Shonen's life is great uh, to have great adversity or challenges, which is obviously not something that most people, if I said, well, you're going to come across great adversity and challenges, they would practice Buddhism. I've had people quit the practice of Buddhism because it was as if I didn't fulfill or the Dharma didn't fulfill their self-help expectations. And it all became too real and too complicated. So he specifically says that in the chapter on the peaceful practices, it's meant to prevent great uh, difficulties from befalling the practitioner of the Lotus Sutra. And the idea is is that how to protect oneself, uh, one's purity, one's, uh, of course, the most important thing is the idea of the path, not being able to be taken off the path, distracted. So these things, because we all have uh, misgivings or misunderstandings, may uh, have some attachment to that. So that's the idea of the peaceful practices. But what it specifically says in the idea and and this is an i this is something that's not really understood unless you have a teacher to teach you is that we need to see that eventually we need to regard the occurrence of great adversity as comfortable we need to become comfortable with adversity and, and you would see that most buddhists uh, probably are not good at that. I remember uh, attending a Zen retreat. And of course, it's a very comfortable place. People are quiet, not talking, not getting into trouble, not arguing. Everybody is following rules exactly. But at any moment that you were to, as a human being or something, interfere with anybody's 
cultivation, they would become rather annoyed, and it, it wouldn't be something that would be easily to hide, uh, because it was about their practice, that they were trying to hold on to the sense of peace. And actually, in a way, as the Buddha said, it's a way of going against and thinking about the idea of avoiding adversity. But we realize through Nietzsche and Shonen's life that without great adversities that come to us in our life, our practice cannot be that of comfort. We realize that we need to understand what adversity means. And that if we are simply seeking comfort, then we will always be reluctant to understand the teachings that come with adversity. And this is what it takes to practice now during the era of the declining law, the latter age, Mapo. Because if you look at it, that's why it's exemplified with Nietzsche and Shonen. A lot of people think of Nietzsche and Shonen as a loudmouth or a braggart. But in actuality, what he's saying is that through the adversity that he experienced, giving up the idea of the concept of comfort that we think that we get through Buddhism, he was able to live and manifest and in a more efficient way and deeper way, according to the time, place, etc. teaching, he was able to manifest that in his life. And I, I think that this is something that, of course, Buddhism, uh, marketable Buddhism, sells to try to teach people to bring them in as an expedient. But in reality, in the latter age, Nichiren Shonen says, especially since we uphold the Lotus Sutra, there's no need to do that. So, in a different way of thinking about it, when we, who are really, how do you say, bound with delusions and the five desires, right? The five desires being with the five senses of form, sound, smell, taste, and touch. When we are shackled with these five desires, we just we seek to adhere to and keep the right teachings. We must take it to heart and understand that it won't be easy. But lots of people think it's easy. If you simply practice with ease and comfort, inevitably you it will result in temptations of the five desires. So actually the adversity that we get through our practice is what allows us to go beyond these five desires, right? These attachments. Because if you look at it, those are the things that need to be regulated. But a lot of people are looking for those aspects within Buddhist practice. So if you look at it, the desires can also spill over into the desire for wealth. That means success, sex, food, drink, fame, sleep. So a lot of times, a lot of uh, other paths, etc. may actually lead and reinforce these five desires, leading people to become uh, delusional with their practice and actually be led into, as the Buddha says, evil ways. If we give in to that, the Buddha Dharma will no longer be viable for us. That if we simply give in to this concept of being comfortable, being happy, you know, we will fall into these ideas of the five desires. When we're working towards uh, purifying our minds and the impurities of the world, and pursuing what we understand through the Buddha's example as a pure life, 
seeking ease and comfort brings depravity. It's interesting to see that because actually there's a lot of depravity in Buddhism. We see that with Buddhist leaders. We see that they're great practitioners, but something within their practice keeps them attached to these forms, these five hindrances, these five desires, that they end up breaking the Sangha. They end up having affairs with their students, misconduct, mismanagement, etc., this is how this is the reason why we call the Lotus Sutra is difficult. The Buddha doesn't hide that. The Buddha says this is a difficult teaching. He says it multiple times, but people tend to glaze over that, of course, gloss over that. So that is why we practice the Lotus Sutra and it is difficult even when it is called the peaceful practices. So when people look at peaceful practices, it's because they're looking from the idea of these five attachments. Where in reality, what it's telling us, and that's why we look at the teacher of the Dharma chapter, that in reality, uh, we may wish for that, but in reality, we should prepare ourselves for adversity. The mud of the lotus. That's where we get our, uh, put our uh, money where our mouth is. And we must always be prepared, just like why it's important we have the example of Nichiren Shonen for hardship in any circumstance that we may face. That's why I use the word, and this is what Skomoto Sensei taught me about the idea of enjoying. And I would always talk about, you know, obviously complain about the bad things and then always talk about the good things. But in actuality, in reality, doesn't matter, good or bad. Depends on the state of one's being, idea of equilibrium. That one's able to see the teaching and take what's needed, the nourishment from that. That is through wisdom. So we must always be prepared for any hardship and in any circumstance we may face. And the validity of anything we do and our practice, just like the practice of Nichiren Shonen, is based on the trials. Nichiren Shonen's trials and tribulations that he endured is why we became his disciples because of the way he was able to understand it and properly uh, view it through wisdom we are to know that adversity the adversity that we are encountering in our life substantiates our practice Nichiren Shonen says that's why it says in the Lotus Sutra, that if you follow the Lotus Sutra, if you practice the correct Dharma, you will endure and experience countless persecutions. And how true that is. But do you think if people really listened, I think, again, people gloss over that. That they would say, because they hear what they want to hear. They take what they want to take from the, the, the Sutra. And they leave the rest. So again, because they're simply uh, following the idea of the uh, five desires in their mind, the senses they're following. They base their Buddhist practice on senses. And schools and teachings and denominations that simply engage in easy and comfortable practices will always decline in the Dharma age because they are based on the illusion of the five desires. That's why eventually it comes out 
It may take time. People may be able to hide and cover it. I mean, we spend our whole life covering and hiding from our and deluding ourselves that we are sick, that we are suffering, and that we wish to have the liberation of the Buddha. But we cling so much to these desires that we think that that's the only way that we can substantially understand and enjoy our life. But in a way, it's so pathetic because we have accepted the lesser instead of the greater. And even if when we meet the Lotus Sutra, because our mirror is so covered with dust, we need the example of Nichiren Shonen to show that in reality, adversity is our greatest teacher. Just as it's seen in the idea of chapter uh, 12, Devidatta. The adversity of Devidatta, the Buddha's cousin, who constantly attacked him, constantly tried to form a new Sangha, allowed him to understand and practice and exemplify. And that's why his teaching grew. Because he was able to substantiate his teaching with his life. So I hope all of I hope this gave everyone an insight of what we need to you know perhaps take a look at your perspective of what you're seeking in Buddhism. See if you are simply seeking the five desires in another manifestation, another addiction, and that you're simply using the form of Buddhism for your own means. That's unfortunate because ultimately it be, suffering begets suffering, and so therefore. When we realize and we start to accept our life and even the powerlessness, that's why we have to understand within the human realm the power, the ignorance, the powerlessness that we have and appreciate our higher power, which is our enlightened Buddha nature, the potential. And I say potential because just because you think you have it doesn't mean you have it or have attained it. You have to nourish it and realize it. So therefore, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this talk. And I look forward to our next lecture. Namu myoho renge kyo.